WFG Insights, your download on the real estate market, featuring industry experts, thought leadership, and what's trending, keeping you informed and ahead of the market. In this episode, WFG founder and executive chairman Patrick Stone opens the year with a cautious outlook while looking forward to an optimistic forecast for the second half of the year. Patrick, thanks for joining us to kick off January here. We get this job report, and it was an interesting number above expectations. The market seemed to react favorably to this, but I got to ask you, in terms of job growth, are we moving from maybe one sector to the other? How do you read this report? Well, I think it's really important to uh, to uh, take the report apart and understand what's actually being said here. Yes, the job growth was up, but about 80% of that were part-time jobs. So you're not getting the impact from that you normally would with, a, with full-time jobs. To give you an example of that, actual wage growth was up about 4.6%, which is down from November at 4.8% and down from the peak of the year at 5.6% in March. So we are seeing a job growth, but it is not going to have the inflationary impact some people worried about. And plus it is more uh, infilling and part-time than that a lot of people realize. So I think it was positive, but it's not threatening in any way. You know, we uh, talked a lot about interest rates, of course, last year. Might touch on that here in a bit. But, you know, when I was in the mortgage profession, I always talked to people about the job market, how important that was. You know, rates might be at the time six or seven percent. They might be three or four percent. But if people have jobs and they can make a payment, they will have the opportunity to buy a home. Now, if they don't, uh, the, you know, exact opposite is true, right? And there's concern about jobs and maybe they won't buy a home. There are so many other factors impacting what's happening right now in the real estate market. But I want to talk about the job market, specifically the tech market, the tech sector of the market, where we're seeing Amazon let go of 18,000 high-paying tech and home office jobs in the Seattle market, primarily in Bellevue. Uh, You've got other, you know, Salesforce, San Francisco, laying off 10,000 people. This is a big deal, right, in some some high-cost West Coast markets. How does this impact the real estate market? Well, it it, it will probably have some impact in certain areas. I don't think it is all that threatening. Those are big numbers when you talk about an individual company uh, reducing staff. But overall, the the impact to our economy is much less than than the impression that is given by the media and by the numbers being thrown around. Let's be real honest. Most tech companies way overstaffed during the pandemic because we became so tech heavy and so tech dependent. We really were highly tech dependent. Working from home put a, a big emphasis on technology. The focus on buying products that were be uh, online put a big focus on technology. Uh, all that is abated as we were returning more to a normal market. The overall impact uh, is worth noting, but the overall impact will be a lot less than you would assume from the size of the numbers being reported. That's good to hear. I want to shift the focus now uh, more toward the Federal Reserve and what continues to uh, transpire there. I think there was some talk about a pivot in the final quarter of last year and I think the Fed made that fairly clear in uh, the, the minutes from the December meeting that uh, that's not in the cards. And uh, 
hopefully that will be uh, you know baked in a little bit more than it was uh, late last year. But how do you read that, and you know what's being communicated from the Fed in terms of their intentions anyway uh, throughout this coming year? Because you know you look at this, and as you've explained to us, these things tend to trail from six to nine months. So right now we are just now feeling the impacts from events of last summer, right? Yeah, the two inflationary indices that are used most commonly are personal consumption expenditures and consumer price index. Uh, Both of them have a fairly large segment of the computation based on implied rents. And typically it runs five to six months behind what's actually happening in the market. The increase in rents has been declining fairly significantly now for about six months. So you'll start to see that in the inflationary numbers, probably after the first numbers after the first of the year. So candidly, I do think that you are going to see the inflation numbers come down fairly significantly. Every other aspect of those indices are dropping. We've had a meaningful uh, improvement in the supply chain congestion. We're now seeing our our trade balance come back closer to where it was prior to the pandemic. It got way out of whack because we were buying everything that moved, every kind of product possible internationally. Now it's coming back more towards the norm. So I'm, I'm actually thinking that inflation is going to come down fairly meaningfully in the first half of the year. But what the Fed is doing is perfectly understandable. They're not going to allow any questions of their intent. Their purpose is to kill inflation. They're going to do it. They, and I will not be surprised at all if they don't uh, lower rates this year, even though even if inflation comes down. Just real quickly, there's no direct correlation between the Fed rate and the 10-year Treasury, which is really where you, what you use to compute the mortgage rates. So I don't think the fact that they won't lower the Fed rate will impact the fact that mortgage rates will come down as the year progresses. So it sounds to me like you endorse what the Fed is doing. And it's yes. interesting, you know, with all the social media out there, and we've talked about this, you know, the camps out there that are screaming at the top of their lungs, mainly from the equity markets that, uh, you know, this is going to do some major damage to the economy and uh, it's going to take us into a deep recession. And I have to be honest, you know, the people I talk to, including you and many business leaders around the country, just aren't seeing that. You know, it seems to be, you know, level-headed people are saying, Maybe a soft recession, maybe a, a brief soft recession, but this is not nine one one here. What's your feeling on that? Providing a little perspective here, if I may, uh, since uh, January of 2020, we've had two recessions. Nobody would remember that, but we had a fairly significant recession with the onset of the pandemic. It was two quarters of fairly meaningful declines in GDP. And then we had the first and second quarter of 2022 were negative. Uh, wasn't declared a recession because the National Bureau of Economic Research said that gross domestic income went up, so you can't have a recession. So I think we'll have, in all likelihood, I think we'll have a very, very minor recession sometime because there is going to be a global recession. There's going to be a meaningful recession in Europe. Hmm. Uh, I do think there'll be a meaningful uh, decline in economic activity globally, and I won't be surprised if that doesn't impact us to some degree. Will it be meaningful or will it be damaging to us? Not at all. You know, it's kind of fun to take a look at what, uh, I mean, I mentioned before that I that I was a stockbroker in the early 70s. So I still keep track of a lot of what people say and where they go with their projections and analytics. And if you look at, uh, there's about 48 different entities that 
the Wall Street Journal looks at for economic projections. And the consensus right now is, is there's a 65% chance of a recession based on those 48 uh, sources. But if you really tear it apart, they run all the way from about 15% to 100% and 65% is the average. Uh, I said before on this program that, uh, you know, I candidly, I like Goldman Sachs better than almost anybody else. They're at about 35% chance of recession. And I kind of be, I'm kind of in line with them. We have a tremendous amount of capital to deploy at, as needed. Consumers still have about 900 billion excess cash right now compared to where they were prior to the pandemic. So uh, we may have a minor recession, but I think it'll be minor. And I think we're in very good shape to recover quickly. Yeah, to pick up on what you just said there about how much money's out there. That's what I've been telling yeah. people is, you know, everybody I talk to on, you know, private equity, maybe they're putting things on hold. Maybe they're not chasing deals like they were M&A, same thing. But there's so much money out there. That's part of the reason we've got the inflation we do, right? So it's kind of this conundrum of that. But there's so much money out there that we're going to be okay, right? Yeah, I don't even think, to be honest with you, Brian, I don't think the amount of money has impacted inflation so much as just simply that that we went all towards a goods-based economy instead of goods and services. Services dried up, goods, all the money went into goods, and then we had supply chain issues, and that caused the inflation to go up. I think the Fed thinking that the inflation would be transitory is that they looked ahead and said, well, the the uh, supply chain issue will change. We'll go back to a more balanced economy, so forth and so on. Uh, what they didn't count on, I think, was the Ukraine war, the impact on energy prices and food prices, and a little bit of the uncertainty at the, as the pandemic was prolonged and uh, we weren't really sure when, if and when we were going to recover from it. So having said all that, the Fed is going to be adamant about keeping rates where they are. But I think, uh, I think we're really in good shape economically. That's good to hear. And, uh, you know, some of the things we talked about last year that were impacting us, one of them was the Russia-Ukraine war. And I know you would hope that maybe that would have wrapped up last fall. It hasn't. We all hoped it would have for a lot of reasons. Um, is that baked into, you know, our economy now? Is that, have we adjusted to that? I mean, it doesn't seem, certainly doesn't get the headlines it, it did six months ago. Um, where, what do you think about that? Well, it's still impacting our economy because uh, even though gas prices have come down, uh, we all worry about it. <laughs> and even though food prices are, are the impact on our food prices hasn't been that much, uh, it's still there. So I think everybody still worries about uh, and hopes that it doesn't end in a bad way. Uh, or get escalated to the point where it endangers everybody. But uh, I think economically, we have adjusted to it quite a bit. Again, good to hear. Let's uh, talk housing market, real estate specifically now. And, you know, it's a obviously a very interesting time. What happened last year with interest rates after so many people, millions of people, had bought or refinanced their home 2.5-3%. Now we're at 6 65 depending on the day. Uh, let's talk about that. And, you know, are these homes, are these loans, you know, cemented over? I mean, what's the, what's your outlook there with when you have, what, a, some people say maybe 80% of the market is refinanced or purchased at a low rate in terms of that coupled with the fact that there's still very, very low inventory. Okay. What does that do to the real estate market over the next couple of years? 
Well, I think the the real estate market is being impacted to a large degree in a negative manner right now because of affordability. And I think that has caused builders to become a lot more cautious about starting homes. Uh, uh, we have relationships with some major national builders. They've all put they they entered this at the end of the year 2022 really excited about where they were going. Uh, they had slowly rebuilt from the Great Recession in terms of volume. They were really ready to go all in. And then with the Ukraine war and with the uh, inflation continuing to being an issue and the, all the uncertainty in the market, they pulled back. So we have a very low supply of new homes on the market. But I will tell you this, we have uh, uh, two things to remember here. We have a large bubble in population moving into first-time homebuyer age. And uh, consequently, household formation has is, is gone up and it's going to continue to be very high. Household formation is when you move out of your parents' house, you get an apartment or you buy a home. Mm-hmm. Household formation has gone through the roof and it's going to continue to be very high. So demand's going to be there. And I think demand has also been uh, positively impacted through the pandemic by a desire for home ownership, uh, the desire to control where you live and how you live and what the quality of your life is. So um, I think this is temporary. I do think builders will go back into the market. People will still move because of jobs, business, divorce, death. There are a lot of reasons, but also people move because they want to live somewhere else than where they're living right now. So I do think as the market corrects, as uh, rates come down and builders get re-engaged, we'll get back to more of a normal environment. It may take a year and a half to get all the way back to what I would consider relatively normal. But I think by uh, by mid-2024, we're going to be pretty happy with where the real estate market is. With all the conditions you just talked about, does this force builders to build smaller, more affordable homes? Um, you know, it doesn't force them to because uh, actually, you know, you, you've got FHA now where you've got a uh, million dollar mortgages being bought now in certain markets. And the overall, even the non, not high end markets, you're up over 600,000. They'll buy the, the GSEs will buy loans. So um, you still have the ability with our financing system to afford good quality homes. Uh, what is happening though, and you're starting to see it happen in more places, is that we're we're looking at how we uh, zone and how we do urban infill in a more realistic manner. So you will see uh, what I call small lot subdivisions uh, you know, in like areas like Los Angeles. So you'll see smaller homes in a lot of metropolitan areas, but you'll still see quite a few high-end homes and mid-sized homes. And uh, Again, if we don't have any more disruption to our economy or real estate, I think by mid-2024, we'll be getting back to uh, a more normalized market. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you know a lot of, lot of things there to unpack, but one of the things that interests me is, is there any statistic or any way to measure household formation if it was accelerated or could it have been accelerated? Is that even possible with the pandemic, with the move to find homes, with low rates? Did we, you know, sell forward a year or two in in sales that would have, you know, been no. placed in 2022, 23? Is that even a, is that, is that even no, a? Actually, it went backwards. Okay. Actually, it went backwards a little bit. A lot of, a lot, a lot fewer people moved out of their parents' home during the pandemic. You know, so people were, uh, people hunkered down a little bit more than they, uh, than the other way. So I don't think it had, I don't think there's any meaningful change in the overall trend because of the pandemic. 
Okay. Interesting. That's uh, that's good to hear. Um, so moving forward now, uh, we touched on this a little bit toward the end of last year, more of a wrap up, but um, you know, I've had some time to think about it over the holidays here. We're going to see some data start to trickle in here in, in January. We'll be able to parse through that a little more. Uh, you know, I kind of joked about the word certitude that you, you used or lack thereof last year, right? Do you feel like we have a better handle on things now than we did, say, even six months ago in the ability to forecast, you know, moving forward, how this will play out? Or are we still, is there still a lack of certitude? I think it's becoming a, a little bit easier to feel confident about where things are going and trending. Not a significant improvement, but it seems to be getting a little bit more, how do I want to say this? There seems to be a little bit more confidence among a lot of players in where things are going to go. And so they are making decisions about the future with a little bit more clarity. Now that starts, sounds kind of odd to people in the real estate industry because we are just we all feel like we're just stepping into sort of a a problematic year in real estate, right? I mean, it started it started last summer, it gotten worse, and now you look around, uh, activity is very low. People are kind of depressed. We're having uh, we're having some economic stress in the real estate industry. Uh, but I will say this, that I do think that the long-term vision is becoming a little clearer and a little bit more dependable. So uh, my personal feeling is the first half of this year is going to be challenging. The second half of this year is going to be much better than the second half of 2022. And 2024 will be a good year. So don't go into hibernation is what you're saying. Well, I don't know that you have an opportunity to go into hibernation if you want to make a living. So you have to do something. Uh, but be, I mean, be smart. Really think things through. Uh, you know, watch every dollar. I mean, watch every penny. Watch every, every watch everything you do. And make sure you have a good reason for doing. If you're going to spend a dollar, make sure you're going to get a return on that dollar. Be smart because the first half this year in the real estate industry again is going to be challenging. Uh, again, the second half I think will be much better. I do think mortgage rates will gradually decline this year. You know, if we were in the historically norm normal range of 30-year fixed mortgage rates to 10-year T-bills, we'd be about 5.1 to 5.6% right now. So we have some downside probability, even if, if nothing changes, that the, the mortgage rates will ease a little bit as we get into the year. Uh, I'm, hope, I'm hoping that we'll be down around 5% by the end of the year. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, and I want to ask you to kind of frame that up for us when you say better in the second half. Is it because it's so bad in the first half that any kind of uptick will feel like a little uplift, or is it because of rates, or what's what's behind that? Well, all of that, uh, all of that. To be honest with you, if you look at the activity level now, you look at you look at the inventory, you look at the demand, you look at the total amount of sales. We are really uh, at a historical low across the board, right? Uh, and we sit here and we say, oh, gosh, people got a lot of money. People want homes. The combination of uncertainty and high mortgage rates or affordability are really impacting people. I do think affordability will improve and I do think the uncertainty will abate. So uh, that's why I'm a little bit more confident about the year getting better as it progresses. And then you mentioned, again, mid-2024. Uh to, I guess, play off what you just said, what is it that takes us from, you know, where we're at now, hop, skip, and a jump through the uh, an improvement through the end of the year, uh, and then, you know, into 2024, things improving. An election year? I mean, what's uh, what's behind that? No, it's demand. Look at 
the demand is there. The demand is there. Yeah, and people say, well, yeah, but Pat, demand's gone way down. Look at the numbers. No, the demand, the desire is still there. Uh, the, the desire to own is still there. A lot of people want to buy homes. And that was, again, you got household formation going up. Uh, you got the desirability factor has gone up. That's a little harder to measure, but I would I would doubt that anybody would argue that point. Desirability of home ownership is higher than it was prior to the pandemic. So you got household formation increasing. Uh, you got strong desirability. You need affordability to become a little bit more in line, and you need rates to drop a little bit. And I think both those things will both those things will happen as the year progresses. And, you know, I have a fairly close relationship with some executives of one of the major national builders. They are sitting on a tremendous amount of resources and desire. So as things improve, they will jump back into the market and start building and building aggressively. And I think that probably holds true of most major national builders and a lot of regional builders. So, uh, again, you know, the underlying economics in our country are still pretty positive, as we talked about earlier. There's plenty of money out there. Uh, you know, there's people that have the desire. Uh, we just need things to stabilize a little bit. And again, I think rates are going to come down and I think we'll benefit from it. Well, it's good to hear, Pat. We appreciate uh, some optimism here toward the uh, latter half of the year. Got to hunker down here for a few months until we get there. And then uh, and a lot of people, hey, quite honestly, it'd be a good time to to get some rest, get your health back after the last couple of years we had were, I mean, man, you know, a lot of people gave up vacations and we're under a lot of stress the last couple of years. And now's a good time to, you know, get your health back. Well, this was this was a, hopefully a once in a lifetime event. And uh, it, it created a lot of uh, a tremendous amount of uncertainty, anxiety and stress on people. So uh, if you look where we are economically, given what we've been through, we are blessed. Uh, I don't think the rest of the world is anywhere near in good, in good a shape as we are. And uh, I think you're going to see uh, you're going to see some pretty meaningful economic impact uh, uh, on places like Europe. Uh, you know, so, you know, we are very fortunate. And I, again, I think we'll get through it in a positive manner. But it's been a pretty trying couple of years. No question. Well, Patrick, we appreciate your insight. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. And have a good one. Thanks to WFG founder and executive chairman Patrick Stone for joining us. And thank you for partnering with WFG.